And now, it's 10 a.m. Let's just get down to it. And it's time for your sports fix. Strap yourselves in, folks. From two guys who have covered the teams you're passionate about for years. We are professionals. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Ben, we made it. We're here. We're both here. We're downtown. We had kids to drop off and snowy roads to navigate. And here we sit, nice sir. DJ and PK to go a little bit long. Give me a little bit of time. It's good, but I would have been here actually. I would have been. I would have made it. So. It is nice when the the show before you is understanding and and will help. Well, I'll give you, you 15, 15 seconds or so. <laughs> Whatever you need. Whatever you need. Uh, we were just talking off the air, like. I, I I complained about something with snow removal this morning. I'm sure everybody out there is, is, has complained a little bit because it, it snowed a lot last night. It sure. snowed this morning and, and commutes are, are difficult. But uh, we were just saying, and it's really true, there might not be a better – I about said city, but let's – you know, the, the entire Wasatch Front. Sure. But when it comes to snow removal – there might not be a better spot on the planet. Honestly, we're pretty on our game. If you've gone to other spots in the country and seen how they deal with uh, removing snow, we, we got it down, Ben. Yeah. No, absolutely. They, uh, they've got a good system going. So we moved, uh, when I was a kid, we moved from Utah to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I remember the first time it snowed in Charlotte uh, when, we were, when we lived there. Ben, because we had we had kind of a long drive to school. Like mm-hmm. it was all the way across town. It's a long story, but but we had to drive all the way across the city, and uh, we got up. It was snowing a little bit out there, but we're from Utah. Whatever, get in the car. It's fine. Drive all the way to school, Ben. I'm not kidding. It was a Dern ghost town. Like not not a car in the parking lot. So we we drove back home now, and and we're used to in Utah, right? Where they'll do the radio uh, the the radio reports, like sure. like if you grow up here, right. And there's snow outside. Right. The first thing you do in the morning as a kid is KSL News Radio. Pop onto KSL and think like, fingers crossed, yep. here we come, right, right. School closures, yeah. Well, we go back home in Charlotte, spend the day at home, go to school the next day. And, you know, my mom uh, goes in and talks to somebody at the school and is like, hey, uh, what's the deal? Like, you came all the way out here. What? What? Uh, and they're like, you came all the way out here? <laughs> like, what's the, what, what's the matter with you? We're like, hey, we turned on the radio. We right. didn't hear, you know. Didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. And they're like, oh, well. There's an inch and a half of snow outside. <laughs> they're like, if it snows, you can just go ahead and assume. That, Cancel. That everything's closed down. It was like, Okay. You hear about Atlanta, Good to know. Dallas. Yeah, I mean, Dallas last year really got hit hard. They had that whole that freeze, bad. but like yeah. Atlanta will get a half inch of snow, and they're like, "It's shut the down apocalypse. the city." <laughs> my brother lives in uh, my brother lives in Colorado, and uh, in a small mountain town in Colorado, not South Park, but uh, lives there. And they don't use salt in Colorado, huh? They use gravel instead. No. No, that's a bad idea. And so I guess the idea is to give more traction on the... the yeah, but the gravel doesn't the go gravel. away. The salt goes away. I was going to say, so, you, what, you build up like a, a, just a gravel layer? I, yeah. I, was, I was shocked about this. So they, Your they, freeways are seven inches taller by the end of the year. At least where my brother lives, they, they only plow the snow down to a certain point. So like down to like a quarter inch or half inch or whatever, and then dump a bunch of gravel on it. That's mm. what they do. And it, it, it 
it didn't seem effective, in my opinion. I was like, well, just dump a bunch of salt on it. What are you doing? I've got buddies who are from Oregon. If it rains enough, they'll cancel school yeah. up there. And when snow huh. happens, it's yeah, nothing. all hell no chance. Loose. So shout out to the guy or gal who's, uh, who's pushing plow this morning and listening to a little Jake and Ben. Thank you for what you do and being so very good at it. I wonder if last year, because, A, we didn't get very much snow, and because there were fewer people on the roads because of the pandemic, if there was a a reduction in the number of plows that are out there, so if it'll just take a little bit of time to get back to kind of the infrastructure we'd had for so long, where it seemed like those guys were on top of it, those women were on top of it, up early in the morning and getting going, I wonder if it'll take a little bit of time before we get back there. And then, speaking of snow days, we've probably seen our last snow day, right? We've gotten so good at doing classrooms via Zoom or whatever, there's no canceling school. There'll be online school, I bet, going forward. But I bet you kids are not going to have this you know, miracle day off in the middle of the school year like we all used to enjoy. Yet. I bet you are all going to online class, which is awful. Yet. That is the worst. <laughs> Another way that kids are getting the shaft yep. these days. Man, snow days were the best. They were the now, best. Now, granted, we are so good at, ha- at handling snow in this town that... I think I had one snow day in yeah. my entire school career because I'm, I love how heartless we are about that. Like, correct. there's a foot of snow outside. Well, deal with it. I know. I put my we'll kids see you at eight. Yeah. I told you I went to get new snow clothes for my kids yesterday, and yeah. I got them after work. And sure enough, and we, we showed up to school 20 minutes late, and I thought, and my kids are climbing up these stairs that have not been shoveled. Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah, six inches of snow up, uh, up by where they go to school. And I thought, why am I doing this? And then I thought, you know what? Build some toughness. They'll be a little yeah. better for it, but you're right. We, uh, we're pretty ruthless when it comes to snow. We are. I think it, I want to say twice in my career as a K through 12, I think we uh, had snow days. U was great. I went to the U and they used to cancel classes all the time. So buses over. wouldn't run. Yeah. Just, just don't come in. Don't worry That about was it. nice. Because the teachers kind of have carte blanche on that. They can, if a professor decides I'm not coming to class, they'll just cancel class. So instead of running outside and building snow forts and stuff these days, kids have to sit in front of a computer. Sweet. It's brutal. That's great. Brutal. That's just, just wonderful. The best news ever. We got a snow day. I'd help the old man clear the driveway, and then it was like, I'm off. Yeah. It's too Got the sled. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Nope. Get your books. It's class time. Oh, good. Well, that's great. Anyway, glad snow's here. We we could use the the moisture. And, uh, you know, (coughs) winter around here is great. Beautiful. It is. It is. I'll be ready for it to go away on, you know, January 2nd, but I love it right now. All right, Ben, and we have basketball to talk about, but rank, rank Utah's seasons mm. from best to worst, fall? according to Ben Anderson. Fall number one. I mean, this is probably boring because it's great that we get these winters, but then it really does get inconvenient. I, let me split up the winter season into pre-Christmas and post-Christmas, so we actually have five seasons. Fall, pre-Christmas, spring, summer, post-Christmas, winter. You know what I mean? So the winter after Christmas through... Spring or up until spring is certainly the worst that we have. January, February, March for the dogs. We don't need them. Nobody wants those. But leading up to Christmas right now, this is this is the best time of the year. I mean, the, the songs even say it's the greatest time of the year. All right. I, I think you're off, not way off. But let, let's get to, like I'm the decider on this, let's get to Hatch. Okay. You're the arbitrator of other times. It's true. I've, I've got the correct answer. But Hatch, rank the seasons. I'm, right. I'm actually, so I'm a little bit opposite of Ben. Spring's number one for me. Okay. I'm a big fan of spring. Fall's number two. I will just winter is three, summer's four for me. I am not a guy who you likes don't like the heat. Heat. Okay. 
I had no idea that Hatch sniffed glue before uh, <laughs> before coming into work. I didn't know that was a thing. Hey, with I had Beezy drive in this got morning. To, the snow decided to start after I got it. Oh, some, yeah, that's right. You got here early. Some rubber cement in the passenger seat. Just okay, what's yours? Up in the morning. Okay, the the right answer is fall number one. Fall's one. No question about it. Fall around I mean, for every is, reason. A, this year we had the most beautiful fall of all yeah. time. But football's back. Basketball's back. Like It's fall's awesome. Answer. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Summer's number two. Okay. There's so much to do around here in the summer. It gets a little bit hot, but honestly, you could just retreat up to Canyon and it's lovely. Sure. Right? So yeah, Jake. Summer. Yeah, summer, you know, the winters uh, are tough, but if you go to Puerto Rico, it's gorgeous. Summer. If you're just escaping from the town. Summer is. T- it's like I live at the mouth of, of Mill Creek Canyon, Ben. It's like five minutes away. It's like, oh, man, it's 98 down here. Well, in five minutes, it's going to be a balmy 85. So. Deal with it. Fall, All right. So fall summer. one, summer's two. You're going to say winter three, aren't winter you? Winter is three, and spring is a distant four. Oh, really? Distant, oh, distant like four. Spring. If you grew up playing baseball okay, in that, Utah, you hate spring. Okay, I get that part. Spring of it, yeah. can't make up its mind. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's delicious one day and snowing the next. Yeah. Baseball tryouts when you were a kid were the worst, because it could be nice, or you could be hitting pitches. In 25 degree snow, yeah. where you want to cry, your hands hurt so bad uh, after one foul ball. And then the coaches are like, well, suck it up. It's Utah. Get in there and take a cut. You want to play or not? That's why I never tried out for baseball. That and I wasn't any good at it. Soccer? I, my brother grew up playing soccer. Oh, yeah. I remember going to his stupid Saturday morning 8 o'clock soccer games with three inches of snow yeah, on the Duran field. And it's like, it's what are we doing? And then May rolls around and you think you're out of it, and then it snows again. Uh, David James says summer is number one. So there you go. Well, yeah, DJ's a California guy. They talk to PK too. They, they love I the know. heat. Yeah. It, it, yeah, they love the heat. I get it. Would I rank it second or do I rank it third? I went fall, spring, summer. I could switch summer and spring. They're, they're sixes. It's the only season around here I actually dislike. Spring? That's grim. That's dark. Well, thanks, Ben. I'm yeah, not trying you to. You told I'm not me trying. my months were wrong. You told me I didn't know. Spring is wonderful. Ben, I do have to say, you splitting up winter is actually a genius idea yeah. because pre Christmas winter, great, totally cool with it. Great, yeah, but the skiing's the best in, in post Christmas winter. It? So yeah, typically okay. sure, yeah, but like I just way better. I don't pre I don't Christmas skiing ski okay. that much anymore. Post Christmas skiing is great. Okay. And spring skiing, hey, here's something for spring. Spring skiing is great. And it's something that you can do here that you can't do in very many places uh, on the planet. So there you go. There's my, my compliment to spring. Basketball, Ben. <laughs> That's what we're here to do is talk about basketball. The Jazz rolled the 76ers with an unbelievable second half effort again, uh, Ben. They had eight players in double figures. Eight I don't know. I was trying to think if I've uh, how many games I've seen that have eight players in double figures from one team, and I can't think of another. No, you know, the, I think last year one couple times they had four players with twenty, which is a crazy number. Also, you know, to be four guys who are on on, but yeah, eight players with ten points or more, and for the most part, everyone shot the ball well outside of Jordan Clarkson. Everybody was really on last night. It was that was a fun game. I was very surprised watching that game. The first half felt about like I expected. Jazz made a little bit of, you know, breathing room for themselves, but really couldn't separate. And then the second half again, and this is what they did on Sunday against Cleveland as well. Or not against uh, Cleveland on Sunday. Uh, what was their last win? Minnesota. Minnesota two nights ago. Yeah. Excuse me. We're starting to run together. Uh, 
they just blew them out in the second half. And it was, you know, if you're a jazz team, if you're a jazz fan right now, this is this is a very fun basketball team to watch come into its own because as Quinn Snyder has said a lot in the postgame shows, Jake, and you've you've heard him say this, you know, this isn't the same team as last year. They're not, quote, running it back. They're similar. He said it again last night. Yeah, there's a lot of similar pieces, but they are not, quote, running it back. This is a different team that's trying to accomplish some different things. And I think you're you're starting to see it all come together. I think you're seeing uh, you're seeing Quinn Snyder test some stuff and it's pretty fun to watch. It is fun to watch. And the defense was good last night, too. I mean, we'll get caught up in the offense because their offensive rating right now in this win streak is like 125 or yeah. something ludicrous where they're just, I mean, that's what, Ben, 10 points? 10 points better. Better than the the league average or the next, but well, the next best offense is like five or six points behind. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable what they're doing offensively. But, I mean, in the second, third, and fourth quarters, respectively, to hold Philadelphia to 22, 22, and 20 points. It's not bad. No, it's unbelievable. Uh, and look, they, they were smart. I thought Quinn Snyder actually had maybe his best coaching game of the season last night. I thought there was some weird strategy that he put in, which he doesn't always do that. Now, there's strategy. Don't get me wrong. You scout and you, you, know, you, yeah. you get ready for a game. But I thought there was some gamesmanship, and I, I tweeted it out yesterday. I, I felt like there was a few times when there was a nine-point lead for the Jazz, and it got trimmed to two, and you thought, okay, Philly has some momentum. This is a good time to call a timeout, second night of a back-to-back. And Quinn did the opposite because he said, I don't think Joel Embiid can run very long. Like He's coming off of a pretty serious bout of COVID. He said on the broadcast last night he thought it was going to kill him. Like He thought it was close. He thought it was touch and go for a little bit. He hasn't gotten his wind back. He's just a big dude as it is. He's yeah. 280 pounds. And so the Jazz just said, well, no, let's just keep running. Even the game goes from 10 to 2. Let's just run the next play and let's see if we can get up the floor quickly and make Joel Embiid run after us. And by the third quarter, he had to check himself out of the game because his side hurt. His he was cramping because he couldn't run anymore. And, it, and I think that ended up being you know one of the major differences in the game. I thought Rudy really responded, and obviously he was responding to the Patrick Beverly comments uh, and Anthony Edwards comments from the the previous night. He talked about. It. I mean, it almost dominated the whole post game again. Uh, and uh, and he was great, 17 of 21. I just like to, minor criticism to Rudy, because I love it that he responds to the negativity. I think it's great. And he responded with a terrific game. But he also responded early in the game, Ben, with a possession where he was just going to, it, it was Rudy time. Correct. It was, it was Rudy time, and it was one of the ugliest uh, possessions of basketball that I've seen You've got to figure out a way to appropriately respond. And to tie in yesterday's conversation, part of the reason the Rudy that Rudy draws so much heat from others is because of possessions like that. It's not his game. No, and Hassan Whiteside fell into it a couple of times too. Yeah, he scored his first opportunity. He got the ball back and kind of pushed uh, Joel Embiid around and got a little push shot over him. And then, like for the next three possessions, Hassan was like, "It's ISO time." So I don't know if the Jazz came out and were like, "Yeah, you know what we should do? Challenge Joel Embiid." Go to work, boys. Back to the basket yeah, game. I don't know, uh, but otherwise they were they were brilliant. You're right. Rudy Gobert ended up with a really nice night. 17 points, 21 rebounds. A couple of block shots. He just he did exactly what you needed to when it was plus 17 on the floor. In just 29 minutes, that was nice. The Jazz didn't have to play anyone over 30 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back because they were running away with this thing. And they've uh, jumped out to a 3-0 and start on this four-game road trip that I had told you before I thought would be successful if they went 2-2. Two and two. And they've already guaranteed themselves a better record than that and seem to have all the momentum going into, uh, into Washington tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I, I see no reason why they couldn't beat the Wizards. But then again, I don't know why the Wizards are good this year. I'll have to dive a little bit deeper into the Wizards before tomorrow's game because I don't know how that roster is. Uh, and, and you know what? They've actually fallen apart, which is the— So there you go. Yeah, they're, Predictable. Uh, they're two and four in their last six games. All right. And really, if you were to go back like 12 games, it looks like they are five and seven. 
So they're falling apart. They are living up to the expectation that we had for them. They've had a couple of close late wins. You know, they beat Detroit to snap their three-game losing streak. Losing streak now. Detroit's awful, but I think that game went to overtime, and Kyle Kuzma had to hit a basically a butter buzzer. Oh, that's free. right. Yep. So. And LeBron tweeted out about it, and he gave the bird to a fan. Apparently. He did. He flipped off a fan in the fourth quarter, and then hit a three in the exact same spot after that where he flipped the fan off uh, to win the game. But I mean, that's against Detroit, who's not a very good team. They've only got four wins this season, and they had to go to overtime to beat them. So Jazz should feel pretty good about having an opportunity to win this game. But again, like I said, I think this is. Uh, this is gravy at this point. You win this game, you go 4-0 on this road trip, you're great, but I don't think you need it to prove that you're great. The last three wins that you've had, and really the last four overall, have probably been some of the best of the season, and maybe in order. If you were to rank them, I think last night might be the best win of the year. Oh, this is undoubtedly has been the best run of the season, for sure. I don't. I mean, not only the, the, the result, but the way they're playing is just off the charts. I mean, Donovan Mitchell himself, the way he's playing is off the charts. And I thought Donovan, you know, we've, we've talked about how he has the responsibility to kind of diagnose games. I thought the way he did that last night was really good. Early in the game, Donovan was dominant, Ben. Yep. Very good. Yeah. Exactly what his team needed. Second half, Donovan didn't need to be Donovan. Uh, didn't mean need to be dominant. Dominant Donovan. Dominant Donovan. And he let everybody else do the work and they blew him out. Yep. No, it's good. Sometimes I think he does need to be the wake-up call for the Jazz. He needs to be the person who kind of gets the engine started. And then once it gets going, it should free up everybody else. You know, it should draw some attention. It should loosen up three-point shots for Mike, for Royce O'Neal, for Boyan Bogdanovich, the lob for Rudy Gobert, and I think you did see all of that. And then the bench came in and gave you really good minutes. We talked about Hassan's first stint being pretty miserable, but Hassan Whiteside was, I mean, he was dominant in the third quarter. We have 12 points, I think, in the third quarter alone. I mean, he was really he was good. Really good. He had 14 and 10 in just 15 minutes. So he's. it's been funny to watch his career because, you know, there were the comparisons between he and Rudy... Gobert when uh, when Hassan was in Miami and people were kind of debate like who's going to be the next great center and Hassan really never kind of became a great center but was so productive it was kind of hard to ignore what he was doing but man you watch him play and it's really funny to see how accidentally productive he is he's just so big and the ball just kind of comes to him because he actually kind of has a, a natural knack for just being in the right place at times so Joe Ingles threw him a lob he caught a ball off of a saved inbounds or a, a saved a save on the sidelines that he put in for two. He gets a lot of offensive rebounds. He's a pretty good help side shot blocker, obviously. That's why he's been one of the best shot blockers in the league for a while. He just, he finds a way to impact games. And yeah, he had 12 points in the third quarter on four or five shooting and five rebounds. Like, you get that from one bench guy in one quarter, that's enough to win you a game. And, it, you know, the third quarter was why the Jazz won. Yeah, you mentioned yesterday, and you mentioned a couple times about how Hassan had misconceptions about who the players on the Jazz were including probably most notably Rudy Gobert. I thought it was interesting they did their uh, media together last they're, night. They're buddies. Yeah, yeah, they're buddies. They are buddies. Yeah. I think the Jazz were trying to get out of too. the arena quickly, but yeah, they did it together. And you know what? If they didn't like each other, they wouldn't do it together. Yeah. Well, and he kind of stuck up for Rudy, too, when he was uh, asked about the Patrick Beverly stuff. I thought Joe's response to Anthony Edwards' comments were pretty funny. I mean, it was almost identical to what we said, <laughs> right? I mean, that was exactly what we said was probably the case yesterday that there's a decent chance that Anthony Edwards went against Chris Stapps Porzingis once, got his shot blocked, and missed a couple of layups, and was like, this dude this guy is amazing. might be the best player on earth. <laughs> nope. No, he's not, but that's exactly what he said, and, and this is what Joe Ingles said after the game. Let me see if I can pull it up. He says, for Edwards to say Porz- Porzingis is more intimidating than Rudy is hilarious, they obviously don't watch enough basketball, which is exactly what we said. We said maybe he doesn't watch any yeah. film, and that certainly seems like it ended up being the case. But good for Rudy. I think, as Hassan Whiteside said... Rudy's taking the high road. 
Uh, he's trying to keep his mouth shut. Hassan Whiteside after the game compared Rudy Gobert to the quiet kid in class that you just kind of continue to pick on because he doesn't hit back. But he's bigger than everybody. Like, he's really not going to push back. But even Rudy, after the game, uh, in his walk-off with Holly Rowe, said, I never take shots on anyone, but I just do my job. I come in every night. I think when you're the best in the world at something, people become insecure. I think he's exactly right. And I'm sure it's hard for him to not be more petty than that. But I think he's right. Well, Rudy's had his moments. Let's not pretend oh, yeah. he's always taken the oh, high road. I mean, no, did you look remember? at his Instagram story? You know what? I didn't see oh, it. Maybe we'll watch it during the break. Yeah. No, I was I was talking about his his post game uh, where he was talking about uh, who wasn't about that life, Ben. Yeah, Miles Turner. Miles Turner. Oh no, this is a this is even more of a low blow. <laughs> is it really on Instagram? Oh, Let's see if it's still up. I'm eager to see it. He could have taken it down. Was it? It was that bad. So he really didn't take the high road. No, he didn't take the high road at all. No? <laughs> Not on Instagram. <laughs> all right. Well, I can't wait to see it. Uh, it is Jake and Ben, Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. We'll get into some college football coming up right around the corner, right here on 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. With a blowout victory over San Diego State, Blake Anderson and the Aggies have brought an improbable Mountain West Conference Championship to Logan. Logan. Now the Aggies prepare for a showdown against Oregon State in the first ever L.A. Bowl in SoFi Stadium. Your home for the best coverage of Aggie football. Aggie football. As well as all the play-by-play action is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jake and Ben, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Miki Couture. Uh, Miki Couture wants to help you this holiday season with the perfect gift. Stop by any location from Ogden to St. George. Mention Zone 50 and save 50%. It's a no-brainer. Get in today. Save 50%, uh, save 50% and get the best gift ever from Miki Couture. I got a text from my boss, Maddie, this morning. Oh, and boy. She said, uh, what's the Miki code? Oh, what's the deal you and Jake had on the show? Hey, so I hope uh, none of her family's listening because I think that's what she's getting you for Christmas. Yeah, way to go, Ben. Way to blow that one. I don't think her family lives in Salt Lake. Okay, so you're all right. Yeah. Well, she's going to knock it out of the park with the gift because that really is it is a no brainer. Uh, Miki Couture. All right, Ben. Let's let's talk a little uh, Oregon coach search, which of course uh, involves Kalani Satake here locally as he interviewed for the job on Wednesday. John Canzano, who writes for the Oregonian, has done a nice job kind of reporting on the behind the scenes stuff, Ben, and it is truly a fascinating dynamic. And I've uh, it it absolutely involves something that you've talked about this week involving Oregon. Are they a brand? Are they a program? Yes. And the the battle between the two is apparently what's going on internally huh. now. Uh, here's where Kalani comes in, and this is just what Canzano has to say about Kalani. Uh, he says, BYU coach Kalani Satake interviewed with Oregon on Wednesday per a source. I didn't get the impression the Ducks were wild about this one. The whisper is that either Satake didn't interview well or expressed some hesitation about leaving BYU. I would be surprised if he's the pick for this reason, but we've seen stranger 180 degree twists. He says, a note, the Oregon legislature passed a law in 2009 that requires the state's public universities to interview a, a qualified minority candidate before making a hire. And uh, Satake, whose Tongan fulfills that requirement. so He was the first Tongan head coach in college football, right? Correct. Yeah, which is awesome. Correct. Um, 
So so there you go. That's what uh, Canzano's update on Kalani is. I would guess it's the latter as opposed to the former when it comes to I would I would guess that Kalani interviewed fine. Yeah. <laughs> knowing what we know about him. Right. Uh, he probably showed some hesitation about leaving BYU. I'm sure he likes it there. And I think understandably so. Yeah, I think right. they're in a good spot, and I think it's probably going to be he has an opportunity to win. He's built something also really well. Now, it's not like he would be taking over a bad program in Oregon. Oregon's very good, and they'd be ready to win right away. But it is a certainly high level of expectation stepping in as well, where you've got to be a top 10 team over the next couple of seasons, or you would be at risk of losing your job. Now, here's where the, the infighting comes in, Ben. And this is so Oregon, because the, the infighting is about two bad candidates so they're going to make a bad hire regardless, which is probably good for Utah if they want to win the conference more often. That Oregon doesn't make a good decision here. Because you know what? Kalani would win an unbelievable amount of games in Oregon. Yes. Like, he would have that program uh, in in tip-top shape. Almost, I mean, I would guarantee it, knowing what we know about Kalani. But here's what's happening, Ben. Uncle Phil, your guy, Phil Knight. <laughs> My guy. He, He's put a billion dollars into the Oregon program, they're saying. A billion. With a B. With a B. He's donated a billion dollars to Oregon, and they haven't won anything. That's crazy. And let's clarify one thing. The billion has gone to the university as a whole. The vast majority of it, they're going to the athletic department. They haven't won anything. Yeah, but maybe the the money kicked to to the chemistry department. Maybe they're doing it. Um, So, Ben, Uncle Phil, he wants to bring the chipper back. Okay. Say so let's let's glory go, days. Let's go get Chip Kelly. When I was young, Chip Kelly was the guy, <laughs> and I'm sure he had a great relationship with Chip because he probably handed Chip money and said, money. "Hey, go get a recruit with this." And Chip said, "Aye, aye, give me Willie Lyles on the phone." I can do that. You mean Will Lyles? I call him Will. Is it is it Will? It was remember the whole thing. Oh, he yeah. call him Will. I even. call him Will. Yeah. That's right. Do you remember when he released or Oregon released what? Like I can't remember he paid twenty five grand or something, right? And and they released what they got for their twenty five grand and it was like a couple of sentences on players and like some still photos. Yes, it was awful. It was so- Horrible recruiting investment for uh, <laughs> under the table yeah. Info. So Uncle Phil wants Chipper back. Now here's where the divide is. Uh Justin Wilcox, the current Cal coach, is from Eugene Ben. Not only is he an Oregon alum. But his family lives in Eugene. He's from Eugene, and his family is well connected with the alum and booster network at the University of Oregon. Now, internally, the struggle is they feel like it's become too much of a brand, too much Nike school, lost the family feel, lost the 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 university what universities yeah. pretend to be about yeah. it's no longer about that it's the right. nike school right and they're saying oh you hired willie taggart and mario cristobal and that didn't turn out well so the 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 brand oregon is failing so it's time to get back to our family roots and justin wilcox is the guy and so now they're divided Uncle Phil donates a billion. What does he get for his billion dollars? Does he get to hire the coach? Or are they going to get back to their Oregon family feel roots, Ben, and hire Justin Wilcox, who is perhaps a terrible coach? Don't forget the crash scenario, though. Do you know what the crash scenario is? Are you a fan of the Oscars? You're probably not a fan of the Oscars. So, a few years ago, the movie Crash. I remember. You saw it? I did. The two favorites, I think that year, I could be wrong on my movies, but I think the two favorites to win the best picture that year, I could go back, were Brokeback Mountain and Capote. 
and they were kind of the two overwhelming favorites to win. It might not have been Brokeback. It might have been something different. Those are overwhelmingly the two favorite movies to win. What happens? They end up splitting a majority of the vote, and the third movie that comes in and gets in third place here is Crash, and Crash sneaks up and beats both of them as the best picture winner, even though nobody... Nobody thought Crash was the best picture that year. Nobody thought that. I could be wrong, but I think those are the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Those are the three. So the nominations that year, Crash. Crash. Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback. Capote. Capote. Good Night and Good Luck. Which is fine. And Munich. Wow, you know what? That was an unbelievable year good for movie Munich. Year. Those are all good movies. In fact, I would put, actually, I never, honestly, I never saw Brokeback Mountain. Oh, really? I don't know if I ever finished Munich. Amazing I should watch film. Munich. It's a, oh, it's, it's amazing kind of got some film. sports ties, too. Yeah, I should watch a, Munich. It's a huge downer. There's a lot of killing, but that's a really great movie. Good Night and Good Luck is amazing. Also good. Uh, Capote is amazing. Really good. Wow, Crash really shouldn't have won that year. Correct. But I get but your point. But that's the thing. I mean, they, they Ross Perot it. Remember, like yeah. George H.W. Bush probably should have beat Bill Clinton, but enough Republicans went with Ross, Ross and it allowed Bill to get the win. D- d- is there a chance Kalani Sataki is Bill Clinton? Or the movie Crash? Uh, is there a chance he ends up being? Were they saying, "Well, nobody forty percent of us want." We're hiring someone yes, else. We're going right. to go. We all like Kalani. He's not our favorite, but Justin Wilcox is Phil Knight's number three, and Chip Kelly is the AD's number three, and Kalani's everybody's number two. So we think he sneaks uh, up in the middle, and we offer him the job. Yeah. I would keep an eye on that scenario. Okay, I'm not saying that's what my gut tells me. But you hear the guy who I didn't interview particularly well. We really like these other two candidates. There might be some jockeying, some three-card Monty going around here where the, when they finally lift up the cup, the person sitting underneath is Kalani Sataki. This may if be, he wants it. Oregon, honestly, this may be an example of, of a real problem that's only getting worse in college sports and why I would never want to be an athletic director. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, Ben. Too many. Oh, oh man. Donors? You... Yes. Oh, well, here's the problem now. It's not just the people above you, though. The kids now are going to have a huge impact, too, because they're getting invested in, because they can transfer right away. Yeah. I mean, we see college basketball coaches hired all the time because their kids are good. We see assistant coaches come in. Oregon State's head coach got hired. Now, he is actually a pretty good coach, but he came in because he was bringing his son and like his son's best friends. Oh, Utah, Larry Kraskoviak hired that dude from Puerto Rico because of his son. Right. Oh, I mean, Ryland Jones. Uh, we talked to uh, yesterday. We talked to uh, Quincy Lewis. He right. was the high school coach for the LP3. Right. Yeah. No, it happens. It's a big deal. And, and we, we've seen that quite a bit. But, so I mean, let's say uh, you're a car dealer, Ben. Ben Anderson, Toyota. <laughs> All right, and okay. you you see uh, a, a good running back, and you say, "Hey, I'm going to give you fifty grand, yep. fifty grand," and I've got it uh, in with the coach that uh, you're going to be. The- anyway, point being, you're paying the star player fifty grand. All of a sudden, your opinion matters. Correct. Like, how would you like that star player to oh, still 100%. be here? So uh, Ben Anderson Toyota thinks you need to hire the chipper. Right. All of a sudden, you have to listen to Ben Anderson Toyota. Correct. No, it's a lot. If you're, you're right. in AD, that would suck. There are a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Now, luckily, Phil Knight is kind of, of among executive chefs in, in college football, Phil Knight is up there. You know, Apparently he's among the not. top three or four. Apparently but it not. is funny that they're like, well, he's 83. How long can we, how long are we going to listen to him? <laughs> we can listen to old Uncle Phil before we decide where to, we're going to mute him for a little while. If, okay, here's the thing it would be one thing if the other alum were right. You know what I mean? It'd be one thing if the candidate that they were propping up there was the right guy for the job for the right reasons. 
But because he's from Eugene is the stupidest reason to hire a coach in the in the world. Because his parents are part of the community. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right. But it'd be one thing if they were like, no, 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 no. Don't go back to Chipper. Are you crazy? Hire Kyle Whittingham. Correct. Correct. It'd be one thing if they were they were propping up a candidate that was actually right for the job and it'd be like, hey, wait, oh, Uncle Phil, you're way over your skis on this one, dude. You, you can't see the forest for the trees. You're fo- so focused on Chipper. Trust me, Kyle's the best hire. Or Kalani or whatever. But they're like, no, no, let's go with Justin Wilcox because you know what? He was born down the road. What's the best case with Chip Kelly as far as like the length of his – how long does he coach? He's only 58 – so it's not like he's ancient by any means, but he doesn't feel like he has he'll coach five years. Th- he'll left. coach three, Ben. Because yeah, that's what I think. He'll win seven games a year and get Correct. fired. I think you're exactly right. I think that's the problem with him. I don't think there's any actual upside there, but I do understand why Phil Knight wants a bang for his buck. And the last time he was getting legit bang for his buck was when Chip Kelly was there. So he's going to default going back to that. Chip Kelly's four years younger than Kyle Whittingham and feels like they just have two. Totally different energies as far as their their ability to go on. Now I don't think Witt's doing it for three more years, but just like the vibrance, the 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 energy behind it feels totally different. But Utah's really good, so maybe that changes it. I don't know if I'm Oregon. I'm well anyway. They're going to make a bad hire at head coach, so that's probably good for the rest of the league in some ways and bad for the yeah. Rest great of the for league. Utah. Yeah, if you want to win the league, it's good. I mean, if you want the league to return to national prominence, it's probably not. They should hire Kalani. It's amazing. No, no, I'm with you. They're looking a gift horse in the mouth. You've got Kalani, who has connections in the school, knows how to deal with Nike, is going to win games, is going to build a program, is not just going to come in and try and do the Nike thing. He will build an actual program. He's a house. And he's a house and will have success. And he's good looking enough to coach on the coast. He's got it all. And they're going to say, well, Justin Wilcox played here. Justin Wilcox was a coach once here. Justin Wilcox has been slowly drowning at Cal for four years now. Five years now. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Ben. Okay. But he grew yeah, up go down with the road. Yeah, I go know. with Justin. Good hire. Oh, cool hire. Nice hire. And Justin Wilcox, good job. And you know what's you know what? Uh, and I just thought about this. You know what? Hey, the, you want the guy who works at a really hard school to recruit to and swept the Pac-12 this year and has done nothing but put players into the NFL and turn a program into a, a, a minor league system essentially for NFL talent? No, no, we want Justin because he played here. <laughs> you know what's funny about it though, Ben? Is forever it took him. It took them forever to start. Not 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 just start, but give Justin Herbert a scholarship let alone giving him an opportunity on the football field, because they couldn't fathom that a good quarterback actually came from Eugene. He wanted to play there. He walked on there. It was like his dream. And they're like, well, that is too easy. He can't be good. There's no way. Again, but that's what they're doing. They're doing the same thing with Kalani Sataki. He might want this job. He's got connections in the state. He recruits really well. He wins. He puts players in the NFL. He's got a relationship with our biggest brand already. No, no, it fits too well. Something must be wrong here. Well, and not to mention he's showing loyalty to his current job, which is, last time I checked, actually a virtue. But but Oregon's going to take it as, well, he doesn't want us bad enough. It's like, wait, what? What? No, this is crazy. This is the, the Kalani's lack of name being thrown around for these jobs is crazy. And I wouldn't take the UCLA job if I were him, probably. No, definitely not. If UCLA, if, if Chipper leaves and UCLA comes after Kalani, I don't, that... If I'm Kalani, I go somewhere where I'm set up for success, and I don't think that's UCLA. If, if he was dying to get out, he would have done everything he could to, quote, interview well yeah, at yeah. Oregon. And if right. it's true what John Canzano saying, that he didn't or- interview well, it probably means his heart's not in it. Right. 
Because what other, you know, other than USC, what other West Coast job would be more appealing than that? None. But Ben, Oregon wants somebody who's desperate for the gig. They want you to want us. They, they want somebody that's desperate to coach at Oregon, which, of course, Chipper and Justin Wilcox are because, you know, their current situations suck. Yeah, they want out. They want They're more money and they want fired. out. They both should have been fired this year. Is there an argument to be made? Sorry, Ben, I know we're way over. But is there an argument to be made that Cal was the most disappointing football program in the entire country this year? They're up there. I mean, Arizona's hard to beat, but Arizona wasn't expected to be good. No, Cal, maybe it's just me feeling bad about myself for getting duped at Pac-12 Media Day, but I was like, well, maybe this Cal team is on to something. Who did Arizona beat this year? Cal. Cal. It's their only win. Who's Cal's quarterback? Garbers? Who's finally yeah. like, hey, have, yeah, you, but- have you seen the record with Garbers plays? Cal's going to be great. Who are you, David James? Yeah. But the, exactly, the, it took it, it took Cal having like half their team for Arizona to beat. Sure, them, let's be clear. And about still, that. it does not matter. Cal is terrible. They, are they bad. were terrible this year. They did. They they were bad. Quick, hire that coach. And listen, I have patience uh, patience for coaches that are rebuilding and that don't start with a whole lot. So you look at what Cal, you know, even though Sonny Dykes had some success at Cal, you go, okay, I'll give, give Justin a little time. Give a little time. I do like that Cal beat Oregon State and USC this year. <laughs> That's a very good definition of the Pac-12. <laughs> lose to Nevada, lose to Washington, you know, lose to the some of the worst teams. Your Arizona, no, nah, we beat uh, Oregon State, who's actually pretty good, and USC, who's not good and wasn't playing anything in that last game of the season. But my goodness, I'm shocked that Oregon hasn't said, "Quick, give me Clay Helton on the phone. Let's hire that guy." Clay had more success at USC than Wilcox has had at Cal. What's your guess? Who, who's it going to be? Oh, they're going to hire the chipper because they're going to listen to Uncle Phil and think, they're going to do it. I think you're going to hire Chip. He's a band aid. He'll get you three seasons of bowl-level play. You'll be a top 25 team most of the time, but I don't think they go anywhere with him. No, I don't either. Again, three years. He'll win seven games a year, and he'll be out. Because you can't do that at Oregon, Ben. Stay tuned. More Jake and Ben next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. From the Rose Bowl-bound University of Utah football team, Clark Phillips. One of my biggest fears as a former football player, I wouldn't want myself to sink into, oh, we made it to the Rose Bowl, but want it to more sink into, no, 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 we want to be Rose Bowl champions. How do you make sure you avoid the complacency of, hey, we made it to the Rose Bowl? You know, we got strong leadership on the team like we already do. Like Devin Lloyds and the Mika Tafuas, all those guys contributed to just being leaders on this team and, you know, really help keep the team culture strong and keep the right mindset because throughout the season, we told ourselves, hey, we're going to be 22% better. You know, and there were certain things said that, that kind of propelled us and kept our mindset strong throughout the season. I feel like this is going to be another couple of weeks where we're going to have to continue to tell ourselves, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to be champions. We're going to win this whole thing. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you, this week's Las Vegas Raiders game on the Zone Sports Network against the Chiefs is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Uh, ben, you're, you're not really a, uh, a hard luck type of dude, uh, I would guess. But have you ever had a situation where you've really been riding high, like something really good happened, and then almost immediately it went badly? 
Like you thought you had the the brass ring. You thought you huh, had the, the. Let me think back on my very recent history of life. Let me think about the last four or five years of my life. You know what? I have had one or two. Uh, one or two of those moments where all of a sudden, it, it, just a blink of an eye, it's gone. Everything you thought you were working on is gone. Yeah, it's happened a couple of times. Okay, all right. Why? Yeah. So you can relate. So last night, and I'm sure you saw this. Uh, so Purdue. This week is number one yeah. in men's basketball for they made the it. first time in program history. Good for Purdue, the Boilermakers or the whatever. The first yeah. time in program yeah. history, Ben. So then they go out there and uh, they're going to take on the 4-4 four and four Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And you think, all right, Purdue's just going to mop the floor with them and keep this uh, train on the tracks. Keep it rolling, Ben. Ron Harper Jr., Hits a half court. Son of that Ron Harper. Son of that Ron Harper. Okay. Hits a half court shot at the buzzer for Rutgers to win seventy to sixty eight. Do we have the call? All right, Hatch is uh, is looking up the call. But Purdue riding high, going up against the Scarlet Knights, thinking, yeah, let's keep it going. And then this happens. With 3.4 to go, get it to Harper with three, with two, with one. Harper for the win. Got it! Let's go! Ron Harper Jr. Let's go! The game winner at the buzzer. Let's go! And Rutgers upsets number Let's one Purdue 70-68. Let's go! Let's go indeed. Settle down, pal. What would it take to get Ron Boone to do that? To do like, that? Uh... It has nothing to do with basketball. Oh, no, he'd have to get, like, a double eagle or something yeah, on the golf right. course. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Get an albatross. Yeah, yeah, there'd be a giveaway at the Jazz game and Ron got included. Like, yeah. you could get, <laughs> Let's go! You could get Booner excited for something like that. But it's no. not going to be anything the Jazz do. It's just one of those things where, like, yeah, number one, living it. Well, they made, if I remember correctly, they Purdue makes a layup with 3.7 seconds left to take the lead. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, okay, no timeouts. They got to go the length of the floor. We've arrived. Number one is here. And then you lose on a half-court shot. Kind of split a double team. He double-clutched it. It was a 40-footer. Yes. Yeah, it was. Okay, but it was a prayer. No, it was I a mean, prayer. No, yeah. he, 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 wasn't like, he No, he didn't. It was not a... I'm going to shoot this. He was double clutching, trying to get a shot up, and it goes in. This wasn't Steph Curry where he gets to set his feet. Who was it? The, it was the Utes. I want to say maybe five years ago. I think they lost to Oregon State. They let a kid go 45 feet and dribble into a wide open three. Like uh, I remember that. The game. one thing yeah. you cannot do yeah, is like not game. force the and, guy to and change they direction. Let him do his thing. Yeah, yeah, like the one thing you can't let somebody do is dribble into a shot. Because every kid has done that their entire life. Yep. You've gone to, you've counted down in your driveway, walked into a pull up, and imagined the shot. If you make them change direction one time, go to their offhand one time, their odds of making that shot probably go from thirty to five, right. like immediately. And the youths were like, "Fall back, <laughs> everybody! <laughs> Prevent defense. I don't we're going to go underneath the hoop. Yeah. Nothing." Whoops. But even last night, yeah, Purdue actually did the right thing. Like, they double-teamed him. This kid gets stuck at half court. You're right, Ron Harper Jr. has to double pump in the air, splits the double-team, and then throws it in. And that's that's what's great. I do like that there doesn't seem to be, like we kind of thought there was going to be, a clear-cut favorite team in college basketball this year. Everyone thought it was going to be Gonzaga. They started number one, crushed UCLA, and then got beat by Duke. And they're still good. They've only lost one game, but... It they lost two, actually. Oh, have they lost two now? They got beat by Illinois, if I'm oh, not excuse mistaken. Me. Well, see, I stopped watching college basketball they until we uh, get to BYU and and, uh, and Gonzaga. But they, uh, we, we, we haven't 
seeing this number one team that's clearly running away from everybody. And that's that's fun. It doesn't end up trending all that well for March, but it does maybe make some upsets early in the season, which will be fun to watch. Poor Purdue. Or Purdue't, if you will. Do you think it's fun to be like a Purdue fan? No. Like, is that a good—do you think Purdue fans look the same way at Utah, though, or BYU, and they're like, no? Well, how about this? It's their first game. They've never been number one in the polls. Yeah, first game, and it's over. And then they lose on a buster beater, which, by the way, was the first win for Rutgers in program history over a number one team. Oh, I'm sure. Rutgers is terrible at everything. No, here's why. Purdue gets one player once a decade and has one good team in football and basketball, and then that's it. And then they're just— Terrible. I'm for looking the rest at of the decade. Purdue NCAA team championships. They've won three national titles historically. One in golf in 1961, a women's basketball championship, which I don't remember that in 1999, and another golf one in 2010. And they've never done anything else. That's a random spot to have a good golf team. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah, that West is really Lafayette. Weird. That's a Indiana. Ra- you would think the weather wouldn't be good enough to have a good. Every golf Every fifty team. years, they have a championship level golf team. Nineteen sixty-one and two thousand ten. No, but they get like they get Drew Brees, and they're good for a yep. year. Yep, and then they they're not. Joe freaking Tiller for like a decade never did anything. Uh, who was uh, who was was it? Didn't the big dog go to uh, go to Purdue? Antoine? No, no, no. no he's Kansas. No, the real Glenn Robinson. Oh, Glenn Robinson. No, he was. Was he? Purdue? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling up NBA players who played at Purdue. Carson Edwards, who plays for the Salt Lake City Stars now. Good for Carson Edwards. He hasn't quite turned into the guy. Uh, Carl Landry, he was okay. You're right. Glenn Robinson. There you go. Number one overall pick out of Purdue in 1994. It's pretty thin. It's pretty rough. That's, I didn't, you know, you, you kind of respect Purdue. They have arguably the best mascot far as like just like the uniform just that huge head is hilarious i love that guy no, nothing else going on with that school nothing at all that's crazy so would i rather be a utah byu or utah state fan for that matter than a purdue fan sign me up easy yeah that's... easy breezy <laughs> yeah man and uh and it's like every sport other than maybe golf even byu golf is good utah golf's occasionally Terrible. okay mm. I mean, mm. they're not as good as hey, winning a championship every 50 years. Utah like Golf ha- had a really good season this past year. They, yeah, made, they made it to the second round of the NCAA. <laughs> you, want, you want me to hit you for questioning me? Otherwise, no, they've been good. Hey, they well, won a Rose Bowl in 1967. How about that? And the Peach Bowl and the Blue Bonnet so Bowl. So they won more Rose Bowls than Arizona. And the Liberty Bowl and the Alamo Bowl. Yeah. They won the Alamo Bowl a couple of times. Actually, they've won a Rose Bowl more recently than Cal, right? What year did you say that 1967. was? 1967. Wasn't Cal's in the 50s? Man, if you're 60 years old and you're a Purdue fan, life has been easy. You've seen two golf championships. You got a Rose Bowl. A women's basketball title. A women's basketball title. You're on easy street if you're a Purdue fan who's 60 plus years old. Life is good. It's, you've seen the glory times. You've been you in might the, be in the glory the times. The heyday of Boilermaker sports. All right. Stay tuned. More Jacob Ben coming segment. up. I'm sorry. We're going to check in with our guy Trevor Allen, who covers the Utes for KSLSports.com. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.